Welcome everybody to the Mastery Mindset Podcast, episode three. I am your host, Stephen Jabruski, here with my co-host, Enzin Azari. Enzin, how we doing? It's been a good week, man. It's been a good week. I'm, uh, I'm a bit tired. I've been working seven days for the past couple of weeks just to really put myself on the, on the right track. I feel like every day I'm hustling should just be playing in the background as, yeah. you, as you say that. He is one of my favorite rappers, but yeah. The boss. The boss. <laughs> um, yeah, so I I've actually feel that as well. Like Whether it be at my main job as a um, professional school counselor at the high school level or the mental health coaching that I do on the side and building the business, I've been definitely been burning the candle at both ends lately you could say and I talk a lot about like burnout and self-care and all that and I'm doing all those things but like you do need to rest sometimes and there's no real substitute for making time to rest because we've been on the go went to a wedding this past weekend had a bunch of like events with friends um the weekend before and honestly last weekend too so definitely been enjoying this weekend some time to relax and such but um any moments during your week that stuck out to you honestly yeah um so for anyone who doesn't know i have two jobs at the moment uh one of them i work at a university and i deal with like their admissions so i talk to a lot of people with a lot of very different backgrounds like people have in their heads like the person that goes to college is just someone straight out of high school maybe someone in their early 20s who messed around I talk to people that are like retired and they're just bored. They're like watching all their friends' minds deteriorate. I spoke to one person last week. Um, she uh, had cancer. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she kind of became, she was telling me about how she became a lot more present. Um, and I'm not a therapist. I work in like admissions at university at the moment. <laughs> so it's like, I was like, I felt way out of my depth, but I was listening. And she was sharing how like ever since she got her cancer diagnosis and she's going through treatment and... She just like has a very present mindset towards life. And she's mm-hmm. like, well, now's my time. I, like you, you realize how limited and valuable being alive is. And you're, you, it, that inspired her to take action. So she's like looking into getting like a degree in uh, digital cinematography. She wants to be a content creator, have a, like a blog, uh, nice. share with others. And I was like, I'm gonna help you make that happen. Any resource you need, I will help you. Mm. Um, and then I was like, after I got off the call, I was just sitting there just staring at the wall. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, no, Whoa. that's great, bro. Yeah. And I, you, you brought up a really good point. I had a conversation with a friend of both of ours, uh, Jamal, and where I was mm. telling him about when I was like, because in a lot of the coaching sessions that I have, it's we I find that we spend so much time mental, like my, our mental energy in the past and the future and we need to spend most of our time and energy in the present, whether it be overthinking things from the past or anxiety about the future. Um, we, we tend to use up a lot of our mental energy on that when, you know, as you, you know, so beautifully stated from the, um, does she still have cancer? Like, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's unfortunate. But like, sometimes you get, it puts things into perspective that the life we do have and the everyday that life that we do live is this is the only one we got and spending our time and energy on doing the things we need to do action wise not just thinking about it um that's that's our real opportunity so that's that's something that i've found like while coaching people as well as um just counseling in general is that's very true that's just very true about like across the board so 
Yeah, man, you're definitely, you're definitely, she was definitely right on the mark with that. And I hate that that had to happen right. to where, you know, that was learned. But yeah, you know, a, some, I think there was a, a quote, it's like a, a lot of people, they learn from their own mistakes, but truly great people can learn from other people's mistakes. Yeah. And a situation like this is, I'm sure she wished that years ago in her life, she felt and thought this way about being present. And a lot of people can take these stories and they can learn from these people's, you know, mistakes or struggles and apply them so that they don't have to have, you know, the death of a relative or a stage of life that they weren't able to fully capitalize on because they weren't truly present. And you can use that to to just learn from it and apply it immediately. You don't have to go through it and endure that struggle. Yeah, and I think when it comes to one of the hardest things to achieve in life from an emotional, mental, spiritual perspective is that being present. Like, nobody really knows what that means. We all kind of have an idea of like, we're in the moment absorbing the emotions, like living life, but truly it's very hard to, to create that at will. Yeah. something has to really disrupt how you normally operate um, for you to really appreciate like huh maybe I can just enjoy sitting in traffic or just feeling like sunshine on my face or hearing that my friend accomplished something that they've been working so hard on and just basking in their happiness with them but yeah, absolutely that that phone call was like eye-opening mm. <laughs> and it made me think about a lot of things so you know if they ever do end up listening to this, I highly doubt it, but that'd be really cool. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I definitely, it, getting getting insight and getting fulfillment out of helping people, whether it be through like coaching or just normal interactions, it it definitely, it's, it's something that I didn't really expect to impact me as much as it has when I'm interacting with others or helping other people to where it kind of gives me I get to learn from these people and as I you know tell them the things that you know that they should be they should be doing or like work with them to develop a plan to achieve whatever it is they want to I get it's like reinforcement for me that I'm going to implement these things as well right. so but yeah man I also I had a um I had a client earlier this week where it he definitely appreciated being feeling seen because a lot of times you know especially as men and we'll talk a little bit about it um later on in the episode but we we have a level of responsibility and like a role in society in the world you know it's not Absolutely. it's not the most rigid thing you know it's culturally you can it can be different especially american culture they're always trying to change our roles yeah. <laughs> um but sometimes just having your experience be like validated and seen and knowing and hearing like why you think this way a lot of i've been diving deep into a lot of um like neuroscience type stuff and that's you know it's part of psychology and part of counseling there's processes that our brain has developed over a long 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 period of time way before um we had any idea about what any of this stuff was right. and a lot of the problems where a lot of the problems that we're experiencing now something such as like overthinking that's what this client was um struggling with he would he there's stuff he needs to do he's not doing it and his mind is just 
overthinking himself like kind of into a pit and it comes from you know I asked him like would you describe yourself as a very self-reflective person and he's like yes and I was like okay that's I figured like you know ask some rhetorical questions like I I, I knew he was gonna say that because mm -hmm. usually people who have the overthinking issue that's kind of how they would be described as self-reflective um, but it the self-reflection spurs you into action. I think I talked about that last episode. And the overthinking, you just, you know, you ruminate in the negative, you don't. There's nothing to be taken away from this, these thoughts, these deep dives into, into your mind. And just being able to explain to him why this was happening, like for his, you know, for his experience in his brain, was seemed to be really, really helpful and he wanted to do more sessions with me since we were able to build a plan for him on how to achieve what he's been, you know, aiming for. And then just to have the support there for him so he can just really figure out why, why he thinks the way he does and just process his emotions and such. So just being able to feel seen is something that has been, it's been like so the, it's heh, Jesus it's Christ. like a necessary part of the process yeah yeah it's I because there is because there's been you know one of our one of the guys that I love and you know I know you love as well Alex Hormozzi talks a lot about he's a very strong behaviorist yeah and I agree with a lot of the things he says um but one thing is he doesn't see a whole lot of value in the like um processing emotion part of things. Behaviorist of him. Yeah, and changing you know the ways like cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah, he like, focuses on like what's observable. Yeah, and that's you know to be honest, that's that's the stuff that gets you the outcomes, and that he's very outcome based, which I agree with. But you got to think about how do people get to that point where they change their behavior a lot of times they don't even know why they're doing the things they're doing or why they behave this way or why they think this way and figuring out where all that comes from the feelings behind that and the mindsets associated and being able to change those to different emotions different mindsets there then changes the behavior and that's that's how you end up getting the outcomes Sometimes, you know, we, we are all capable of, we all have the potential inside us it, to do the right things because success is a formula. You just, you got to run the play, but you have to get yourself into a position where you can run the play. And it's not just, you know, go to someone who's extremely overweight and be like, yeah, diet and exercise, like just do it. Yeah. It's or a, like the, you know, the Dave Ramsey way of handling money is like, it's not a math problem. It's a. It's a behavior problem. Yeah, exactly. And understanding where those behaviors come from, why you cope in certain ways. That's, that's, I I've found that's extremely beneficial for people because you can tell them up and down what they should be doing and they're just, some, some will do it. Well, they'll even agree with you why they should do it. They still yeah. will do it. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing is, and I, I, I'm a very, I'm a very strong proponent of like the behavioral aspect of everything, mm -hmm. but I just wouldn't downplay the importance of feeling seen within your experience and having someone 
talk to you about why why you're feeling this way, why you're thinking this way, or because that's something that um, I had a bit of a misconception about before going into my grad program for counselor education. Mm-hmm. I originally thought it would just be, hey, my the counselor's gonna tell me what exactly was wrong with me. Like sometimes they can tell you about things like overthinking, anxiety, explain why it happens, yeah. things like that, but you get to figure out during those sessions where it comes from for you because certain situations can you know invoke anxiety in one person and another person it it doesn't it's something else and that's part of that that space is you get to figure out you get to i saw this one this one a long time ago this one like graphic of um a counselor and a a client and they had like the client had like a bunch of jumbled yarn like over again like a thought bubble yeah and then for the the counselor had like an, a like a, a whole yarn ball and like one thread that's like taking the jumbled yarn from the the client you know showing that it's a process where you know we're not going to give you all the answers but you have the answers inside of you and in your situation and we're just helping you bring that out so you can take that action yeah if you think about the role of a therapist specifically it's like like you said we're not supposed to give answers because that's not even like what we're studying what we're studying is like if like if what's the difference between a friend who can help with your problems and like a therapist or a licensed mental health counselors or clinical psychologists etc mm-hmm. they're trained on mental illness and so their job is to help to you know to potentially diagnose you um inform you of what you may be diagnosed with but they're not an expert on you exactly so you need to like with the yarn example instead of the therapist like taking the yarn it's more like as the client shares more and more and more they're slowly handing the yarn over yeah that's i agree with that and in the example it was like the for the for the the therapist it was just the ball of yarn and then for them it was like the jumbled yarn and it was just like they were connected and mm. yeah like you know like you said i i like that addition to it because you, know, you ask the right questions you have them talk more about their situation i've found that like when i was in when i would go to counseling because i went for a multitude i went for a multitude of years and I wouldn't even know what I was going to talk about a lot of the times that I would go in and then I would spew for like 50 minutes like they would spew (laughs) no they would barely talk I would just kind of go on tangents and I mean that's kind of yeah how I be sometimes but it was it it was it was eye-opening for me to where I just kind of needed a space to work through stuff and I think that's a big part of counseling and coaching is how for the average person out there, how many times or hours or instances during a week do you just spend 30 minutes to an hour thinking about your specific situation, talking through it, developing a plan, processing the emotions? Like, when do you do that? Well, judging by the huge mental health need, probably not very often. Exactly. <laughs> and there's there's a multitude of things that we do to to cope and for self-care sleep diet exercise all that stuff i you know i love the gym i find the gym very therapeutic in some 
aspects, but it's not a replacement for having that space to process my emotions and talk right. about my situation and develop a plan forward. It's not or it's not a replacement for that. Right. And just adequate just adequately holding space for somebody is one of the huge benefits of, you know, counseling and coaching and whatnot. So it's sometimes I feel sometimes I feel like I should be giving these you know, groundbreaking, transformational, like, sp not speech speeches or little blurbs for people right. to hang on to, but it's not that frequent. Sometimes I do, <laughs> but other times I'm, I don't really feel like I'm helping as much as I could because I'm not doing it, but I'm measuring it wrong. I'm not even, re I, I, yeah, I'm measuring it wrong. That's not even what I should be yeah looking at you giving them the advice may be more for you than it is for them sometimes yeah because it's like i have this grand thing that might fix your problems and you're like handing it to them but they're not ready to take it mm -hmm. and so uh it, it's a lot, like as someone who's been in therapy and had that experience it's like a lot of pressure it's like i don't even fully understand what's happening and you're telling me to do things yeah and you know i have a lot of conversations throughout the week like i talk for like 40 hours a week <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah like i just learned to um i implement something that i learned when i was studying like sales psychology mm -hmm. um i forgot who said it his name's chris something but he, he he said that um amateurs give advice experts diagnose and to diagnose you need specific information about that specific person yep and so you always approach with that curiosity in a, in a line of questioning that's very open-ended very empathetic and very um like in the right environment that you've created in your practice mm -hmm. there was a um it's funny you say that it actually makes me think of a, an instance i had this week with a student um i had one student i'm gonna obviously keep it very like vague, very vague and confidential because I, I have to <laughs> but it was a student who was going through some sort of like relational issue with um like you know their their partner or whatever as they do as they do you know as high schoolers it is what it is it's a very dramatic time in life and so she was talking about how her her boyfriend had been like kind of distant lately and she's like i didn't really i've kind of been the same person that i've been and i'm kind of confused I'm like, I would be too. And, you know, initially hearing that, I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound good. It sounds like he's on his way out. But that's the, that's the, you talk, that's the example of if you said that to a friend uh -huh. and that's all the information they knew. Yeah. They would tell you, eh, he's probably going to break up with you, sis. Like, that's what would be said. But as I unpacked and unpacked and unpacked, I'm like, okay, so what's, What's going on in his life? Like, what does he have going on? And it turns out that he has some, like, family thing going on, like, strife with his, with one of his parents. And he had recently, like, th like this past week, like, had a session in therapy that he hadn't had in a long time. I'm like, after hearing that, I thought to myself, is this as obvious to her as it is to me as to what's going on? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's that's once I got that information, I'm like, oh, 
Yeah, more than likely, because you're never going to be 100%. Right. More than likely, you know, because he's a guy, so he's, and he's a young guy, so he's very, probably very bad at asking for help or talking about his emotions. Or considering how his actions, like what thoughts might enter someone else's head. Exactly. So what I told her was, you know, there's a small chance that, yeah, he could break up with you because she had some, a past relationship where you became distant, boom, mm. broke up with her. So naturally, she has the fear that that's going to happen again. That's very, very normal. Your brain's looking out for you. It's, it's making, these, some, these situations are kind of similar. So danger, danger. But once she told me more about it, I just looked at her and said, hey, you just got to talk to him. Like, this is, this situation, he probably has some stuff going on. And, you know, especially with kids, like, you can kind of, like, if you're, if you're competent at your job, you know, they have such smaller problems relatively to, like, adults. And sometimes the their issues will be this clear. And I can just, you know, say what I just said and do the whole mind-blowing thing. Adults are a little bit harder because they have more complex problems than than just that. But and they might have kids. <laughs> yeah, they might be, honestly. But yeah, man, it's a um it's interesting because there's sometimes you give advice, there's sometimes you diagnose, there's sometimes you just are holding space for them and are there and they talk through it. No session really goes exactly the same as others. I've had a lot of them and they they vary widely. You kind of just have to go with the flow. Yeah. yeah. Human beings are very, like, variable with their problems. And, you know, one thing you said that's kind of, like, ringing in my head right now is, like, important is that, you know, you said, is this as obvious to you as this is obvious to me? And it, it kind of, like, shows the point that when you're emotionally compromised, you're very unlikely to make, um, what is it, like reasonable conclusions about something as complex as why your partner isn't talking to you anymore it yeah. could be very simple it could be very complicated but if you're emotionally yeah. compromised you can't even like acknowledge that idea yeah she was very like anxious and kind of upset in the moment and i'm looking at it as a third party without Thir- the information yeah, yeah thirty thousand foot view and i'm able to tell her and be like oh well this is why like you're looking you're looking at it from like you're in you're in the game right now i'm watching you know for my football fans out there i'm watching the all 22 film like i'm 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 in at the skybox like looking down at everything i can tell you what coverage they're running i can tell you all this stuff and yeah when you're emotionally compromised you're you have you're like a horse with blinders on you can't really you don't you don't have perspective and perspective is something you can gain but like you said it's only really when you're emotionally emotionally centered and i talked a little bit about how um you know her her boyfriend the example was you know a classic guy and um there's a lot of you know we've talked about it before about how guys mental health and just men in general are an interesting topic because there's been more attention brought towards it but you know for many 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 years mental health really wasn't a thing for guys or in general but it's been much less acceptable over time for guys and 
it had it brought up a question in my head what do you think is the role of a guy or a man in society on earth what have you because there are there are roles that have been kind of prescribed to us through the times culture whatnot um and it's it's an individual opinion but what do you think would be like the role of a man today we have like four hours <laughs> but um i think so i can answer what i think the role of myself is as a man right because like you said prescriptions i can't prescribe without a diagnosis but what i can say that would be generally good is that for me i want to be someone that is capable competent um caring like if you think about all the pillars that like we ascribe to in the standard mm -hmm. we want to be emotionally healthy you know we want our emotional wounds to be healed we don't want them to control us and guide our actions unconsciously you know we're causing harm to people we want to be socially connected with others because you know isolation is a killer in and of itself so you'd have to be in some kind of community you'd have to be contributing to that community um people would have to see you as valuable in those environments um you know financially you want to be financially stable because i personally believe that if i believe that I have a good mindset and that more people if they if they if they carry themselves like me the world would be a better place I feel like it's kind of like my responsibility to like create more of me via children mm -hmm. right and so financially you need to be in a place where you can support that which is very much easier said than done right um, so that would be socially emotionally financially uh, physically you want to be pretty good in physical shape just because healthy yeah like this is the only body you get you might as well treat it well or um use it to service others in the way that you're able and so i think that um the responsibility of a man is to bless others in the world through whatever gifts you have if mm. you're someone who can speak very well you should offer your speech if you're someone that has an abundance of resources you should provide those to others so that they can you know share their gifts with the world you enable others and create like a ripple effect of positivity and purpose uh, it's it's such a it's such a big question like i'm literally like, i don't there's so many things i could say but um i think that if i just a short answer is to bless the people in the world that you come across yeah i mean that's a that's a great kind of synopsis of what, what 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 a man should be because you know now especially especially now and when you're young younger people like coming of coming of age 18 to 25 everyone's kind of kind of going the opposite way of whatever they were told when they were young it's it is what it is i experienced it as well what, what do you mean by that the opposite way of what they were told well now that you, so think about like a college kid who came from especially like college girl or boy who came from a very like strict family very mm, religious i don't very, have to imagine that yeah yeah <laughs> very very rigid way of doing things as they were being brought up and then now they have a level of freedom and mm. can choose it for themselves so they go the complete opposite they go way off the rails yeah. yeah they go off the rails and in some ways you know that's where a lot of like like politically like a lot of activists are 
young people. College kids. We're going there. Very, yeah, <laughs> very, very, like, give yeah. it to the man or society or yeah. what I'm supposed to be. I want to do this. So there's a lot of a lot of pushback to that. Um, but in the end, the, the sustainable, successful way of doing things has kind of been laid out already, like, blueprint-wise. You just have to know what to look for. Um, something that you said that I um, definitely, definitely agree with. There was in on in the Madden, I mentioned I played a uh, football video game, Madden professionally, and one of the guys in the Madden community in his profile, like his profile bio, he had a phrase that connected to what you said. It was, your purpose in life is to find your gift, and it was like the meaning of life is to find your gift, and the purpose is to give it away. Mm-hmm. That's... I've really felt I've really felt that lately. I feel like a man is your your duty is to handle become you know the best you and in all those pillars and then give back and then give back to the next generation mentor people. So my my girl her sister now goes to UCF because we we live in Orlando. I went to UCF for undergrad and grad school. And my girl went there for grad school as I'm well. Currently going there. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh yeah, we're we're a UCF UCF gang over here. But um, her sister is she just turned nineteen, and she had her birthday party over here a couple weeks ago, and all of her little friends they're all like 18 19 like they're just just a bunch just a bunch of youth babysitting yeah just a bunch of youth and you know because of my job where i work with a lot of high schoolers and i'm very you know familiar with their age group Mm -hmm. and i help them pretty much all the time at work so when i talk to them now as they're they're going into um they're going into adulthood it's it's very interesting because I'm about to be 28 and there's there's a gap there. I know there's a gap there between, you know, them and me about t- about 10 years, which is yeah. kind of wild to me because, you know, mentally I can think, "Oh, I'm not that much older than that." Yeah, you are, bro. <laughs> you are. Especially cuz it's that 10 years of like yeah, the 90s or whenever yeah. you were born. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but where I was going with that is there is there is a life experience gap between them and me and in that that gap i've experienced quite a bit i've learned a lot and i've kind of gone through things that they're going to go through and because of that i'm able to i'm able to let them know like where the like where everything is i'll take this out i'm able to give them kind of a roadmap of what the next part of life is going to look like because i didn't really have that in that way like i didn't seek out a mentor one wasn't really readily available for me at all moments um i mean it was part my situation part my decisions my actions in life and i i found a great deal of fulfillment and purpose in being able to to help the next generation of people and just make things better for them because i you know i experienced you know lows of life we all have and it makes me feel good and like um like the the time i have on earth is 
is being spent in a good way by giving back. And I, and I definitely agree with you that our kind of our mission is to make, make this whole place a little bit better so that little versions of ourselves and, um, our peers grow up and develop in ways where they know where you know, they know where everything is in the minefield that is life and you know we're make we're creating like actual change that's i guess that's the way that i could put it is that helping we're kind of what are you doing here if you're not making the world better even if it's like in the, in like a micro sense of things i feel like men that's that should be our job to make things better because you know, strong men create good times. It's just what it is. We can, if we, if we are doing what we need to be doing, we can create really good times. But if you have a bunch of weak men and are not doing what they're supposed to be doing, they create hard times. I know there's, there's like a classic circle, phrase. Yeah. There's like a, it's like a circular a circle, thing. Yeah. But yeah, it's kind of our duty. And you know, it's, you know, not to say anything about that women are incapable of creating change and doing things. No, they absolutely are. They absolutely are. They're doing it. They've yeah. been doing it. In a lot of ways better it, than us. It's be, exactly. And it's not like, a oh, well, we need to because we're you know, our rightful place. Whatever. It's just... <laughs> Lion King. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> right. It's just something that we should be doing because the people that came before us, that's what they did. Mm -hmm. And we're the beneficiaries of that. Yeah. So it's now our duty to give back to the next generation. And then you show, you, you show the next generation how to do what they need to do, and then they pay that forward. Yeah, I was having this, oh, that's so good, I love this conversation. But um, like the, it's like the idea of legacy that people parade around. Yep. Um, like when I, whenever I hear people talk about legacy, um, I feel like it's a one-dimensional view of it where it's like money, my money, my kids. Like think about the house we're sitting in right now. Yeah. We don't know who built it. Not a clue. But those people's efforts and contributions exists far beyond they do, and it gives us the opportunity to, to pass it forward. Mm -hmm. And so I think legacy is obviously like the, the resources that you, you know, your kids inherit. It is your children. It's how you raise them. But it's also like what you've created in the world. It's the ideas that you shared with others. Like there's probably conversations we're having in this, like in this podcast that came from our mentors and other people that were close to us mm -hmm. or people that influenced them. And now they live on through our conversation. Yeah. And so like, I think the ultimate form of legacy is does what you've created in all forms, ideas and like tangible, intangible, does that exist far beyond you? Yeah. And so it's, it's a, like the idea of legacy is something that I've been thinking about. Mm hmm. Yeah, I um, I never really thought about it when I was younger because I was very in the moment, like in the moment, and then overthinking the past. That was that was very and then and anxious of the future. So I was very I didn't when I didn't have my life and like world together. I didn't wasn't able to think about you know purpose mm -hmm. and legacy and all those things. I needed to just get above water and yeah. to not be just like you know, fighting the current and just trying to, you know, be able to breathe. Now yeah. I'm, you know, have my foot, have my feet on solid land so I can really dive deep into these things. But I think about my grandfather, he, 
he was a famous Western artist um, in the 60s, 70s, 80s. Mm -hmm. And you know, a lot of his artwork is still, like there's in, we have some in this house. And he, he made it big when he, like during those times, he made it big. And um, he learned a lot about success because he was successful. Mm -hmm. And he would, like he painted every day, every day, multiple times for many hours. That's, that's what he did. And he learned a lot of lessons from, from that process. And when I was younger, he would tell me and my cousins about, you know, just life things, how to be successful, how to like basically try to mentor us and how to be. I just didn't understand it at the time yeah. because I was young and young and dumb. But as I get older and I go through more of life and specifically as I act more congruent with the, the formula to be successful, I understand more and more and more of what he was talking about when he, when he talked to me. And that's the impact that I want to be able to have, not just on my own family, but, you know, society at large, whatever, whatever impact that I can have. And we'll, you know, it remains to be seen how big we can make that. But I definitely believe that it's, I can use those words of wisdom combined with my own and anyone else who's influenced me positively and I can pay it forward even in a greater and grander way and I'm, I'm really looking forward to that I when I was younger I looked at the future as oh another year older another year closer to death mm -hmm. it was kind of it wasn't quite as morbid but it was you know youth is good not you not being youthful is eh, not not as good but now my perspective has changed a little bit to where you know there, i'm gonna i'm still gonna do the things to to stay youthful i'm gonna you know exercise good nutrition good relationships self-care meaningful work all that good stuff to where i can sustain my level of performance as long as as possible but the experience and the lessons that I gain along the way are going to be able to impact so many people and I know that they're going to need it because you know there's a lot of there's a lot of good advice bad advice out there and learning from somebody who's actually done it is is super helpful yeah and when it comes to the like like wisdom is usually accompanied with a price tag in the form of years yep like if i think about the tr most truly wise things that i've said or done it was always <laughs> i was at the pay and the cost of years yep uh so you know it's it's fun to it's fun to think about like maybe helping someone shortcut that process but man it's like as you say this i'm getting like all these flashbacks and just thinking about with the last like 10 years because i turned 30 like next week oh wow yeah and so like i've been thinking very much about like where i was at like at 20 i was in the care of like a domestic violence shelter as like a 20 year old damn and now i'm like in the standard i have a plan for the future i'm surrounded by mentors in every area of life like, mm. and i became so much smarter wiser um present less arrogant 
Beautiful. more articulate, uh, more appreciative at the age of 30. Like I know people that are in their 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s that are not at this stage and it's like, wow. Yeah, man. It, there's a lot of growth that's happened and especially in the past couple of years, it feels like things just kind of exponentially have have accelerated and I, I truly feel like I'm 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 walking on my on the path that I'm supposed to that okay. I'm like called to do because we all have strengths and weaknesses and I feel like I'm acting my actions are in accordance with where I want to be as well as the the gifts and talents that I do have and there's a level of you know centeredness that I've been experiencing and I really I really mess with it I like it, it it's it's different than I have felt previously because you know we all go through times in life where we're a little lost or we aren't doing the things we need to be doing or we have you know sometimes life just happens and you now have to deal with this. you know I had to deal with you know hardcore PTSD and anxiety for like three four years and it kind of like ran my life for a while I had to heal from that and I had to you know persevere through those circumstances and now I don't have anything like that holding me down and I've been able to learn from it and develop you know skill sets and you know coping coping mechanisms resiliency what have you from that experience and now I'm able to walk in the path that I have for my life and I'm I'm moving quicker by by the day by the month by the year and it's this whole journey of life it's it's very interesting it's not i don't know what i thought it was going to be but it's it's it hasn't been it hasn't been predictable yeah like i think a good answer to the question that i can add on when you know the original question of like what is a man's role i think the man's role is just to go through life because life is made up of actions not like expectations Mm -hmm. and so act live life um, experience things good and bad Um, learn from those experiences figure out your purpose figure out what you can offer the world what you can offer others that they would appreciate that you would feel good offering and and just do that yeah the more I act the more I act the less I think about acting the better it's it's really that simple. Yeah. The more doing that happens, the more progress that happens. Yeah, and you get feedback faster. Because, like, oh, yeah. the person that spent a month waiting to start their business, the, the other person who started a month ago already failed and is trying a new idea. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think you could fail a business in a month, that unless it was, like, really bad. I mean, you can. <laughs> you, definitely you definitely can. can. But, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. The, you get feedback. And, you know... Something that's happened to me, because when I was younger, I, I think I've described, I mean, I've talked with you about it before, but I'll talk about it to the podcast world now. I, so when I was younger in school, I basically never had to study for anything. Oh, like, I know where this is going. Yeah. Oh, I, I know where this is yeah, going. Yeah. <laughs> I, I basically never had to study mm-hmm. for anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was great. But I kind of didn't learn a lot of the lessons that I needed to learn by struggling. Yeah, you got gifted kid syndrome. Yeah, pretty much. I just 
I just, I learn really quickly. Like I can pick things up by, through osmosis, by being in the same room yeah. or hearing it a couple times and memorize it. I was very good at school. Yeah. Um, as well as just picking up information. And I, you know, throughout life, I, you know, that skill hasn't really gone away, but you know, when I was, I, I kind of, everyone would always tell me, especially like my parents and people like, oh, like you're so smart, your grades, all that shit is good. But, um, so I, you know, base a little bit of my self-worth around like being like smart and knowing things. Yeah. And because of, it's a, you know, it's a good thing to have. I'd rather be known for that than the opposite. But what it did do was anytime that I didn't know how to do something mm-hmm. or I wasn't as competent or knowledgeable on a subject as I would have liked to be, it was like a hit to my ego. Yep. It was yep. it was very much a hit to my ego, and it would cause me to stop. Yep. I, as a former teacher, I saw this like clockwork, and I could never snap kids out of it. But you know, as someone who's experienced it, yes, what like it, it was like everyone around you since you were a child, because school came easy to you. Yep. You just grew up thinking, "I am smart. Yes. I am gifted. I am academic." You internalize those that feedback as who you are not characteristics of who you are yeah and if you struggle like like if you think about like the engineering for example mm-hmm. because that's what my first major was in college there's things known as weed out classes oh yeah in, and, in the medical in medical classes it's a organic chemistry you know, it's if statics you, in, in engineering statics, statics. It's called, okay. yeah physics on crack <laughs> yeah now it's and because and like i was saying because of because of that you know identity and ego of oh i'm smart i should just be able to pick things up and do them right away and competently yeah anytime i face resistance i took it as like shame mm-hmm. and it stopped me from acting more yeah you felt like i'm struggling i'm smart i don't struggle if i'm struggling that means i'm not smart identity yes. challenged hundred uh, percent coping mechanisms activated yes 100%. oh god it's so relatable yep and when what had to happen was i had to i had to over over <laughs> i had to go through a mindset change of i'm learning this whole experience of life is learning and making progress and failing and learning from those failures and moving forward and sometimes moving forward means moving backwards and then learning why you move backwards and being able to move past that and move forward and that's how i take it's how i'm taking failures and times where like i'm not as knowledgeable on something as i want to be like something like you know because now i'm into business i never thought i'd be in the business ever, me neither ever and now that i'm in the business there's so much that i need to learn which is you know it's a little overwhelming it's but fun though it's fun it's very fun i love learning but because of that, there's so much that I just, you, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I'm just, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. And I'm not taking, you know, things with social media videos or marketing or business strategy, things like that. I'm not taking it personally as if, oh, I should know this. Yeah. Because I don't. There's people that have spent years and decades in these fields and they know so much more than me, which is a good thing. You should never, 
you should never be the smartest person in like every room it's just not you're you're that's not challenging just, yourself that's just ego preservation yeah absolutely it's 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 not the move you know if you go to the gym you don't always want to be the swollest dude in your group or the swollest dude in your gym you need to that means you need to get into a new gym with yeah. people who are more at your level that way you always have you know something to strive for because it limit it limits your ceiling and i've realized that i'm just kind of starting in a lot of these areas because something like fitness fitness and nutrition it there's no secret there's a formula you got to run the formula for five ten years if you tr- if you truly want like the, the physique you see on like instagram you know without grant, steroids without steroids, without, without yeah, steroids and some some of it you know is genetics like people yeah. you know me and you could do the same workout pro- program and nutrition for five years we're going to look different because yeah. of our genetics it is what it is but there's a formula you gotta you gotta run it for five ten years with business there's a formula you gotta run it for five to ten years there's you're you're on the process you're on that journey you're not going to why should you know everything about this why would you want to why would yeah why would you play a game you already beat ten times exactly not fun and i had to completely change my mindset from Oh, if I don't know this, I'm taking it as a personal assault that I'm not smart. Yep. And I should just stop. That had to die. That had to die for me to grow. And by that, you mean your ego? Oh yeah, my ego had. One of the things, as we as we hear, <laughs> as we get so rudely interrupted by oh, the ambulance. How dare they say they lost eight lives? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we'll we'll cut that. We'll out. let them slide. We'll let them slide. But this time. um, one of I'm a big football fan. And one of my favorite players is Aaron Rodgers, um, quarterback. He was for the Green Bay Packers, and now he's on the Jets. He just tore his Achilles this year. Very tragic. But a couple years ago, he went to the mountains of Peru and did ayahuasca, um, which is a psychedelic. I'm very familiar. Well, not very familiar. (laughs) (laughs) I'm about to say, you guys I knew a guy who was, like, chewing on his laptop off of Oh, my goodness. Well. Tricked pretty bad. Regardless. Yeah. So when he did it, what he talked about was that he basically went through ego death. Yeah. And a lot of, sometimes when you see these psychedelic, people who do these psychedelic trips in that environment, they go through an ego death where they don't, they stop, we stop taking everything so personally and yeah. be so defensive about everything to where we feel like, oh, I'm, I'm I can't, I can't be, I can't expose, heh. I can't expose myself to that much failure in such a short period of time. Yeah. Now I look at failure as, oh, I need to learn. I need feedback fast. I need feedback. I'm doing something wrong, so now I got to learn. You get, If you, because they say, they say to people a lot that you should be lifelong learners. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to be real, a lot of people, a lot of people stop learning after they, you know, are done with school. Well, yeah, because... We most of us when we learn something it's for a specific purpose. Yes. And it's very very difficult to to be that intri- intrinsically motivated unless your environment demands it of you or if your environment supports that. That's fair. Yeah. And where I was going with that is when you truly are and identify as a lifelong learner, the only variable that has yet to happen is time. And what that what I mean by that is 
as time keeps going and you keep seeking out knowledge and learning specifically you know in one area or one domain you're going to get better you're going to be more knowledgeable you're going to have more wisdom somebody who's like a like a breakthrough speaker or a business strategist or whatever if they've been doing it a couple years they might actually be really good at it mm. are you gonna be as good as tony robbins he been doing it for yeah. decades. The key word um, that you said that nails it is, you know, intentional. Yes. Because most people that have like 20 years of experience in anything, they don't really have 20 years. They have one year 20 times, which is very, mm. which is very different. If you're not intentional about improving your craft or stretching your the limits of your like awareness and exposure and, you know, actually becoming more than you are, you're gonna fall into the trap of the guy with 20 experience, twenty years of experience who did one year 20 times. Yeah, like when I played Madden professionally, I, I started playing online in like Madden 12, which is around 2011, 2012 time. Um, when I really started going pro was Madden 17 and 18, so 2017 and 2018, well 2016 and 2018. So there's a good like four years in there where I just had to learn. I started off playing random people online and I, you know, quickly rose to the top of the randoms, but there were levels. There were rooms that I didn't have access to where competitive tournament players and professionals were. And as I gained access to those rooms and started competing with them, I found out that I had talent, but I was losing because they were better. They've been doing it for longer. They've yeah. been exposed to that type of competition. There was institutional knowledge that I needed to gain access to and once I was in those spaces more because I seeked it out I wanted to play the better I wanted to pit play Jesus Jesus Christ you got this, bro. we'll cut it out that will be uh, 59 26 right. I wanted to play the best players I wanted to get better I wanted to beat them I felt like I could win I felt like that I could be the best Madden player in the world at what point I was for one tournament but that's neither here nor there. Actually, it is relevant. I won't lie. Um, but because of that, that intentionality is what I was exhibiting. I didn't realize it at the time. But now that I'm, you know, kind of doing it, not an autopsy because I've retired and didn't die. Yeah. But I'm looking back in a reflective way about the principles of why I was successful. It's making a lot of sense. And... When you're intentional about learning from people who are better than you, you end up raising your level of competency. And that kind of never stops because there's always there's always somebody better than you. You know, your, I'm a, your mother always told you, maybe there's always someone that's going to be better than you. It's, yeah. yeah. In one area, like literally, like, like if you're a basketball player, unless you're LeBron James or Michael Jordan, no one was ever better than you. Like, the, them two? No, I said it wrong. Unless you're them two, you, there's always someone better than you. Yeah. Always. But even them, like, even if someone wasn't better than them... They had rivals. They had rivals, people that would teach them things about themselves. Yeah. They went through some failure early on in their career where they weren't quite the guy yet. They had to go through that and learn from that experience and learn from those trials, those tribulations, because they were great. But they still had to come of age and learn. They didn't yeah. come into the NBA as peak Michael Jordan or peak LeBron James.
Yeah, that intentional effort, it's, it's super necessary to become great at anything. And like you said, a lot of people don't seek it out. It doesn't just come to you. You have to seek it out. And that requires effort. That requires Explosion. action. Yeah, you have to be, you also have to be brave enough to, to fail in front of other people and for them to possibly judge you. But what you find out as you keep climbing the ranks and things is people who have a level of competency in anything don't really judge you for failing. No, they're just like, oh, look at him. He's put his, rep, he's put his reps in. Yeah, I look at, you know, when I look at Madden players that are trying to come up in these tournaments and they lose or they choke a game, I think you probably needed that because you probably, you, you're happy that you did well in the tournament, you got to the live event, but you needed to lose. You needed to lose to someone who was better than you. And then you can learn from that experience and move forward. You can count it as a failure, but you know it can really be a success. And then you learned a lesson from you know that level of success, but you didn't reach your ultimate goal. So yeah, that, that level of ego death has been very, very impactful in my life and makes me feel more, makes me feel more centered and less like emotionally tied to like an identity. It's that my identity is I'm walking aligned with my purpose and it's going to involve failing. It's going to involve learning. And that's the beauty of it because that's that's how you get better yeah you grow so much and it stops being scary to where you can actually just see it for what it is as opposed to forming very emotional overreactions to the fact that things are changing and that things will always change yeah absolutely yeah man we uh felt like we had a pretty good conversation here for, for episode three so Hope you guys enjoyed episode three. We will be putting this out either on a Monday or a Friday. I'm not sure. At some point. The first one I put out on a Monday. Last one I put out on a Friday. We'll see what ends up happening. But as always, we appreciate everybody for listening. And until next week, y'all have a good one.